We're in. Um, we're going to start with Second Samuel chapter eleven. There is a. There's a sense in which we could say that when it when it comes to us serving God, there's really only one commandment. If you look at the Ten Commandments, there's only one commandment, and that is, you, you shall have no other gods before me. And any time we sin, in one way or another, we have put some other God in front of God, of, of the Lord. Um, sometimes it's something that in itself might even be innocent. But if we raise it to the level that this is going to be the answer to my needs, then we're putting another God in front of, of the Lord. At other times... Whatever it is we want is we can't have it all without sin. Um, but how often do we decide that we're going to have it anyway because we think it's going to answer our needs? And that's what we have in in, in Second Samuel chapter eleven. Um, in David, the man after God's own heart, went after a different God in this chapter, and it's a very sad story. Um, I don't know whether we could find a sadder chapter really in the Bible than the story of David's downfall here and, and just how low he went. Um, and if we want to stay with this picture of the Ten Commandments, what was the first commandment he violated as we go through this story? That was the second one. You got it right, but John, what was? They started Yeah, you shall not covet. In fact, the tenth commandment says begins, "You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his house, or other things like that." So he violated the tenth, tenth commandment in coveting, and really, coveting is is placing something above God in our minds. Where that we think that that thing, whatever that thing might be, will will satisfy us, as only God can satisfy us. And so then he went from the tenth commandment. He went to the seventh commandment: "You shall not commit adultery." But that wasn't the last. Even there, what what was the next one he violated? You yeah, you should not kill. The sixth commandment. And I think along the way we probably would find that he also violated the ninth commandment: "You shall not bear false witness." Um, all from what seemed to be just some minor thing. He was just up on the house top look, looking over, but he just um, sin wanted him, and he didn't say no. Um, And wow, what a heavy price, John. It is interesting that later on that his men ask him not to go out into the field of battle. Uh, but at this point, he, he, he really should have It would have been a lot better if he'd been there, wouldn't it? Stay home. I mean, it, it's... We don't have the full story here. Yeah, but it's so typical that when everything's going so well and we think that we're just at the top, Something like this would happen. Um, yeah. yeah. I was thinking, uh, probably a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it. Um, 
in the in the law, when the person commits adultery, it's stoning, and it's interesting that David did not. Yeah. Now that's not that's not a dumb question. That's a perfectly valid question. Yeah, the the, the penalty for adultery was death. Both both Bathsheba and David should have been put to death. The penalty for murder was death. Um, but you run into this problem. How can you have the the king who's over the whole land be put to death? I mean, just. Um, And God forgave him, but he paid a heavy price, as we'll see in just a, just a few minutes. Um, I want to just look at one more thing before we leave this chapter, and that is that um, David. This was not a problem with, as as a lot of a lot of modern people seem to think that you know the the reason people sin is because they're they're just too repressed, and and David was not repressed in the sense of no access to women. He had multiple wives. I don't know how many he had because just a little, a little while from now, when he has to run away from Jerusalem with all of his family, how many of his wives does he leave behind to take care of the place? Ten. Ten concubines, which would have been wives in, in that society. Um, and that's like, you know, these are the spares. He had women. God and and that's what Nathan explained to him when when Nathan came. God explained to him when Nathan rebuked him. You know, you had plenty of women, and I could have given you more. God is saying if you needed them. <laughs> uh, it, it's just an illustration that having more things, whether things are, are is money, whether things is wives, or things is, you know, you can name whatever you want does not satisfy. It just simply does not satisfy. And as soon as a person goes after something like this, thinking it's going to be their God, although David would never put it in those words, but that was his attitude. Thinking, this will satisfy me. This is what I need. Um, you can never have enough. Um, and you know, in, in our modern age, um, you could think of pornography. Anyone that gets into pornography they will never have enough. Alcohol, you know, drugs. Um, I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but but the principle is is mindless, yeah. mindless act. Yeah. Well, it could be chocolate chip cookies too. Uh, I mean, that doesn't have quite the same social consequences that alcohol has. No, but, it's the but but if we don't control our appetites, it's like when you yeah. do it and you know you're going to regret it. Yeah, you're a slave. You're you're a slave to this this desire. That's right. It, it's it's um, and so God gives us this picture, this horrible picture of sin. You're, who was who was Bathsheba's husband? Yeah, and, and what and what was he? And yeah, he was one of. He's listed later on in, in the chapter as being part of David's elite thirty, very high up. I mean. I'm sure David knew him personally uh, from you know the days when they'd been in the hiding in the cave and all of that. And do you think he had any idea of what had gone on with his wife? Almost for sure. <laughs> I'm getting different answers. 
<laughs> yeah, we got one for not. He didn't know anything about it. John. Says, yeah, I think he did. I, I, I tend to side on John's side here because, you know, he he was working so hard not to go home, and he was giving noble reasons for it. But he even mentioned, you know, should I go home and lie with my wife? Now, why does he bring that up? That's, That's what David wanted him to do. And, and I, I mean, what David did was not hidden. I mean, the people in the palace knew. Uriah's hanging around people in the palace. People are talking. I wouldn't doubt that he had some pretty strong hints and, and he just decided, I'll just test this thing out. You know, I just won't go home to my wife. Well, and of course, he paid for that too. I don't know if he ever thought that David would have gone as far as he did, but... I don't know if David thought he would have gone as far as he did. And who did David get to do the dirty deed? Joab. Yeah, Joab. The guy that David was so upset with when he murdered... Um, uh, who's the guy's name? Starts with an A. <laughs> no, no. The guy that killed Abishai. Um, Abner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Joab killed Abner. And David was so upset about it, but now he's got a use for a guy that's willing to... You know, kill innocent people. It's just a it's just a sad picture, very sad picture. And so, time goes by, maybe a year, because um, by this time the the child has been born. As we get to chapter twelve, and Nathan tells him the story of the the rich guy that steals the poor man's lamb, and of course, someone like David who who grew up taking care of sheep and no doubt had some of favorite sheep as he was tending them. This would really tug at his heartstrings. And what was what was David's pronouncement on the man? Yeah, he's worthy of death. However, although David said that, he didn't David knew you he couldn't you can't execute a guy for stealing a sheep. I mean that that just So in verse 6 what does he say? Yeah, he has to give four lambs back. Well, that was what the law said. David was answering correctly. Of course, in David's mind, that just doesn't cut it. I mean, that rich man, he's got all these different sheep and he takes the poor man's favorite sheep. Giving him four sheep doesn't doesn't solve the problem. But keep in mind this number four. Because we're going to see the number four comes up. You have to count it yourself. It isn't... It doesn't say this is number one, number two, but you watch. No, that's not what I'm. No, you, I'll tell you when I get to the four. <laughs> Sorry, um, but I'll give you a hint. Number one comes in chapter twelve. What was the What was the first punishment on David for his sin? The child died. The child died yeah, and and David did it. David handled himself like a man of God in this chapter. He prayed hard that God would spare the child, but when he saw that there was that God hadn't, he accepted it. He worshipped God. And I've mentioned this before in this class. When God places a punishment on us, the best thing for us to do is accept it. When we try to weasel our way out, we're just going to make matters worse. If God puts it on us, we, we, the sooner we accept it, the sooner we're going to, going to be pleasing to God and, and the sooner we'll be able to bear fruit for His name. 
So he accepted the fact that God had taken the child. He knew why. He accepted it. Um, he was he was grieved about it, but that was number one of the four sheep. He had taken Uriah, Uriah's life. He said the guy's going to have to pay back four sheep. That was number one. Now, can anyone tell me who number two was? I think so. Is that the one when he said? Yeah, you're you're quoting from Nathan in in chapter twelve. Yeah. Um, uh, you're thinking of the sword will never depart from your house. Um, yeah, verse ten. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house. Now, the one thing, yes, and when did the sword first hit in his house? This child wasn't killed with the sword, but there was someone that was. Yeah, Amnon. Um, That's number two of the four sheep. And um, anyone want to tell me who number three is then? Absalom, yeah. And that's the last one we have in this book, but in the next book we'll get number four. That's a sad one. Sure is, yeah. And Absalom was the one that fulfilled the promise, I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Yeah. So, we come to Amnon. Amnon's in love with who? Yeah, with Tamar, his half-sister. And this is just another example of a violation of the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Because clearly Amnon thinks that he just cannot go on living if he doesn't have what he wants. Which What he wants is his beautiful sister Tamar. He just can't go on living without her. And it gets to the point where there is no other thought in his mind. He makes himself sick over it. And then once he gets her, which of course he takes her, What's his view then? Does that make any sense? Yep. <laughs> it, does, it does in our society. You see it time and time again. Well, I think we can look at ourselves. I mean, I, I don't think any of us have done this exact sin, but I mean, can you think back in your life when there's been someone that you've just thought, I've just got to have this, I've just got to have this, I've just got to have this. And when you get it, does it satisfy? <laughs> It does not. <laughs> it doesn't take very long before we realize that wasn't what I wanted. Now, unfortunately, too too many times we think, but this will do it. You know, the next thing. I mentioned pornography before. I mean, we we have this attitude, boy. If I can just see this picture, I'll just be so happy. But it doesn't last very long, and then it's got to be more. And and from what I have read, pornography just gets worse and worse. It, it just um, to where it it can just be some of the most degrading, disgusting stuff. And yet a person moves down that road. All it has to be more. It has to be more until they're they're going after just the worst kind of things, and it's just and it destroys the person. It destroys the person. Um, so Amnon um, he 
violates his sister. She then remains unmarried the rest of her life. She's damaged goods. Nobody's going to want to marry her. Um, and what does David do about it? Zero for... I mean, he's got a son that raped his sister. Nothing. Why not? He has no credibility. Yeah, what, what, where, what's he going to stand on morally? He did the same thing. That's the problem, yeah. Um, <clears throat> let me read a comment from Edersheim on this. Although David was graciously forgiven and again received into God's favor, neither he nor his government ever wholly recovered from the moral shock of his fall. It is not merely that his further history was attended by an almost continuous succession of troubles, but the, that these troubles, while allowed of God in judgment, were all connected with a felt and perceptible weakness on his part, which was the consequence of his sin. If the figure may be allowed, henceforth David's hand shook and his voice trembled, and both what he did and what he said, alike in his own household and in the land, bore evidence of it. And you may recall how last week we showed how the first part of David's reign came to an end in the, in the historian's mind as at the end of chapter 10, um, or sorry, chapter 9, so David reigned over all Israel and David administered justice and it lists the people who were chief in his, in his cabinet and all of that. One part of his reign ended and the next part was the rest of his reign and the next part was governed by Bathsheba. I don't mean by the person Bathsheba, I mean by the sin Bathsheba. The adultery, the murder, it affected everything. The fact that he could not discipline his son after his son committed this terrible sin um, is just one illustration of this. We see the same thing with Absalom. After Absalom kills Amnon, David still can't do anything about Absalom. Joab arranges to have him brought back. I, I, and we don't know exactly why Joab does that. That My guess is that he thinks it's best for, the, for, the, for Israel. The, the people themselves will won't be satisfied unless the king's son is back in, in, in town. But David, he, he refuses to see Absalom until Absalom finally forces his hand, but never does anything about the murder that Absalom had committed, um, which wouldn't have happened if he had dealt with Amnon properly. But... Um, Well, the punishment for what Amnon did was not death. Um, the uh, I know this seems odd, but the punishment for what Amnon did to Tamar was the exact same as if she had willingly had sex with him. The punishment was he was supposed to marry her. The matter becomes much more complicated, though, because you're not allowed to marry your half sister. And I don't think there was anything in the law about that. <laughs> Just what do you do in that situation? So, yeah, I don't. And and in truth, the law doesn't cover every situation. The law covers it's it's what we call case law examples, and from those you can kind of figure out other situations. But. I'm not quite sure what they would have figured out for this one. <laughs> wow. The sad thing about that is um, she's her life is ruined. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and Absalom, he just his hatred just simmers until he has his vengeance on Amnon. Now, does anyone know what the order of David's sons are? Eldest and all that? Amnon was the oldest. So if you looked at it in the normal line of succession, he was going to be the king. The second one is named Kiliab, a guy we never hear about again. My guess is he's already died before this because he's just not, not even mentioned. The third one was Absalom. So if you knock off the first one, Absalom's next in line. And it's obvious he feels like he ought to be, but he knows he's not going to be because of what he's done. And then the fourth one was... Um, who was that? Was it Ahithophel? Was what's his name? Adonijah. Sorry, all these guys start with A. <laughs> yeah, Adonijah was the fourth one. We'll see him in First Kings. So um, Amnon knocks off the guy ahead of him to the throne. But of course, I mean Absalom knocks off the guy ahead of him to the throne. But and I don't know that he did it because of that. But I don't think he minded either. <laughs> He's a very ambitious person. Wow. Um, politician. <laughs> Winning all these people. Oh, you know, if I were king, I'd, I'd give you justice. <laughs> and maybe he was right. Maybe David wasn't giving as much justice as he should have. I mean, David's reign, David's reign after this just seems to be a reign of paralysis. Um, yeah. I'm in chapter 15 now. Well, I don't, I don't have a specific verse except for, you could look at verse four. That's the one I was mentioning before. Um, and then he works this coup, a coup d'état against the king. Um, and by this time, he's so popular that he's got lots of people on his side, and not everybody was in on the. The plans originally, but once they hear that Absalom is king and he gets into Jerusalem, you know they'll all think, "Well, this is great." You know, I, I really like that guy. And I mean, think about what a nice guy he was. I mean, you come up to him, you want to bow down. He's the king's son. He picks you up and kisses you. What a plain, you know, just an ordinary guy. I mean, great. <laughs> and of course, it's all an act. I mean, he, he, he Absalom is just filled with pride. In fact. Um, later on, that's, he kind of gets worked with when Hushai, Hushai strokes his, his ego and, and, and manages to get him to do what, what Hushai wants him to do. Um, David, David's a humble man, but he doesn't put it on. I mean, David really is humble. And we have this sad picture. David realizes that this, the, the safest thing for him to do is to get out of Jerusalem quick. So they're all running away, and and I think he he, he it was the right choice, because um, uh, and we'll look at it on the map here. Um, he David needs time, and when there's a coup, he's got to get some people on his side. He needs some time. Uh, here's Jerusalem. Now here's Hebron. The 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 rebellion started in um, was it? I think it was in Hebron. Yeah, no, it was definitely in Hebrew because that's where Absalom was born. And he, he said he had a vow. He had to go pay this vow, you know. But <laughs> a vow to get rid of his dad was what it was. Um, so they got word before he got up to Jerusalem. So they quickly head down to the Jordan River. 
and they're going to spend the night next to the Jordan waiting word, but they got the word and they had to cross quickly. And they ended up up here in Mahanaim, um, which is, is in the same neighborhood that Ishbosheth was right after, right, right after uh, his dad got killed. Um, but by being there, he's far enough away, Absalom can't surprise him. And people that are loyal to David can, can gradually move over to his side. And so by the time you get the big battle, David's got quite a big army on his side. And of course, David has the, the trained army, which Absalom, Absalom probably has more people, but they're not trained. makes a huge difference. Um, so they're on the way out. And David does some good things here. Um, when, uh, when the priests want to bring the Ark of the Covenant with them, what does David say? It goes back to Jerusalem and I'll be back. If God, if God is delighted with me, He'll bring me back to it. And uh, then Hushai wants to come with him. Now, Hushai, who was Hushai? One of David's advisors, very wise advisor. There was another advisor David had whose name was Ahithophel. He was was a great advisor. I mean, they just, when when he gave advice, they thought it was like it came from God. Unfortunately, what was he doing right now? Sodom and Absalom. Yeah, we don't know why. I mean, people have given different guesses, but we don't know why. Um, anyone have any idea who he represents in the New Testament? He's a foreshadowing of? Judas. Judas is scary. Yeah, you can tell that by how he dies. <laughs> um, but you see, I mean, he does the same thing Judas did. He's part of the inner circle, but he betrays. He betrays Jesus, the son of David. Um, Ahithophel betrays David. Um, <clears throat> And then in chapter 16, oh, <clears throat> we got good and bad. I mean, first of all, we got Zeba. And what does Zeba do? Uh, that was Sheba, sorry. <laughs> he brings donkeys with food and stuff on Yeah, this is great. Oh, yeah, here's some food, donkeys for the people to ride on. Well, where's your master Mephibosheth, the guy you remember that Jonathan's son that David's been so nice to? Where was he? Home, why? <laughs> well, Ziba was just plain lying about it. Yeah. What Ziba says is, oh, he stayed behind. He says they're going to make him king now. Um, which if David had just thought for two seconds, they would have realized, that's ridiculous. I mean, nobody's going to make a lame guy king like that. Um, Ziba was just plain lying. Ziv was just lying. He was, I mean, he was bearing false witness against a good person, so he could steal the possessions of Mephibosheth, and and, and it worked. Um, David says, "I'm giving you all of all the possessions of Mephibosheth," and uh, it, it's it's going to be sad at the end too. It's just it's really unfortunate. But then this guy named Sheba comes along. I mean, I mean not Sheba, but Shimei. Sheba was even later. Shimei, what does he do? David. Yeah, he takes advantage of this opportunity. David's down. Let's let's get him. He he's hated David for a long time because he's a Benjamite. Who were the Benjamites in favor of? Saul. Saul. Yeah. And although David hadn't committed the crimes that Shimei accuses him of committing against Saul's house, and Shimei may have believed it. I mean, like. Um, 
when Abner was killed, he may have thought that really David was behind that. When Ishbosheth was killed, maybe thought David was behind that. You can imagine people telling those sorts of stories. Um, David was behind one. He knew it. And what was his attitude when Shimei was saying these things toward him? Yeah, if God told him to curse David, who am I to say, what are you doing? Um, what a contrast that was to... You remember that story when when Nabal had insulted David and David was going to kill him? What a, what a change. And of course, the thing that's happened in between is David's seen his own sinfulness for what it is. Um, and he realizes that he deserves these things. Um, so, um, we then have Ahithophel advising Absalom to do what? When he comes into the city. Get after David well, before that, the one that he actually did that Hezephel told him to do. This is at the end of chapter 16. Oh, go, go into David's. Yeah, go into David's concubine. So they put a tent on the roof so everyone would see this happening. Now, this is really, this advice was mainly to help Ahithophel, not to help Absalom. Because Ahithophel knew full well that um, David was willing to forgive his sons almost anything. And, and if, if things didn't go so well for Absalom, David would forgive Absalom, but he would never forgive Ahithophel. So David needs Absalom in the same position he's in, where you can't get forgiveness. <laughs> so he puts him in that, and, and, and Absalom thinks it's a great idea. Um, doesn't require any great courage to do this. Um, and maybe he's maybe he's partly mad at David for not doing anything about Amnon's violation of his sister. Maybe that's what he's thinking about. But um, the second thing Ahithophel advises was actually the best advice possible for Absalom. And what was that? Twelve thousand men. Yeah, Ahithophel is going to take twelve thousand men. He's going to go after David that very night, kill David, and the whole thing's over. And now, of course, if you leave God out, it, it, it probably would have worked and it would have solved the problem from Absalom's perspective. Absalom would have been king. <coughs> but God was behind this. God wasn't going to let, let Ahithophel get away with that, so God had Hushai there to give advice. Hushai is a double agent, of course. And uh, what's his advice? Take it easy here. Those guys are Yeah, yeah. Let's not rush into this. If if you take your time, what what can you do? Well, you can gather all Israel to you. You know, we don't just need twelve thousand. You can gather the whole nation, and you personally could lead them into battle. And and uh, you know, here's a guy who has a big ego. You remember how he had a chariot with 50 runners ahead of him? He had a big ego. And, and, and Hushai's stroking the ego here. You know, you personally go in and you lead this massive force and we'll crush the enemy. No questions about it. You know, right? You, you do the 12,000 thing and there's risk. You lead him personally, there's no risk. And of course, the truth of the matter is it was the exact opposite, as, as we see in. in Next story. 
And that, but it saved David's life because David really was right where Ahithophel knew he would be. He would have, he could have been nailed that night. And Ahithophel didn't even wait to see what was going to happen. He knew. <laughs> Ahithophel was was the uh, he was wise. He he could see, and he knew if that's what Absalom's doing now, he knows how it's going to end. And so Ahithophel went home and took his life. David writes a beautiful song about the deception of Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a book um, by um, Lagarde Smith called The uh, the Narrated Bible. Um, and if if you ever get a chance to read that, it, it's, it's he, he rearranges the Bible in chronological order so that when you're reading this story, he puts in the Psalms that David wrote at this same time. And, and it, um, it makes for it it adds some interesting little tidbits. You you see what's going on in David's mind as it happens. But we're we're going through in the in the order that they are in our English Bible. So we'll get to the Psalms later and you'll just have to remember this story when we get there. <laughs> and now chapter eighteen, they go out to battle. David has one word for them. What is that? Be kind to Absalom. <clears throat> that was the one word that would ne- was never going to work. It, you be kind to Absalom and you're never going to get get past this. <clears throat> Joab knew that, but he wasn't going to argue with David. He was just going to do it his own way. And he did. And um, and you feel so bad for David when, you know, as you listen to him in verse thirty three, chapter eighteen, verse thirty three. Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I have died instead of you, oh Absalom, my son, my son? Yeah. And and that it's although you you can't blame him for feeling that. I mean, he knew what the what the root of the whole problem was. He he, he himself. Um. But. Joab also knew that if David went on like that for very long, he was going to be in major trouble. He just there are times, there are times when a leader has to put his feelings aside and do what what a leader has to do. And you, and you feel bad, you know, you you know that David would rather be upstairs weeping, but he's got to be down congratulating the people for a good job. They deserved it and he needed them. But Joab was pretty crude when when he talked with David. He, he just Joab didn't seem to have any feeling for David's feelings. It was just harshness. But he told him the truth, and David was a humble enough man to accept it. And, and you, you have to respect David in that at this time. <clears throat> but unfortunately, the, the respect kind of drops as we see the future. But he David starts playing politics. And it's it's really sad. Um, it's just like Edith Simon said. You know, his hand shook and his voice quavered. He just he's playing politics and do, not doing a very good job of it. And one of the politics is he 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 sent a message to Absalom's general. Now here's the guy who had who was leading the army in rebelling against David. What does he promise Amasa? Yeah, new commander in chief. Well, who was the old commander? 
Yeah, that's a bit of a problem. <laughs> Joab doesn't take kindly to being replaced. <laughs> but 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 even setting that aside, what what kind of a moral foundation do you have when you appoint the leader of the rebellion to be your your new army leader? It's just it was just politics. And it was very sad. Um, and it keeps going. I mean, when he he gets down to the river to cross the Jordan River, <clears throat> and who's there with a thousand men from Benjamin? Shimei, the one that's... Yeah, Shimei, the guy that cursed him. Not the truth of the matter is, although David was humble and accepted what Shimei said, what Shimei did was really worthy of death, just like Abishai had said. Abishai was right. I mean, you you cannot have citizens in the kingdom who behave like that toward the king. You've just got a rebellion on your hands. But what's David going to do now? I'll get you. Get you what's David going to do now? He he he's working politics. He doesn't have a huge number of people here. He doesn't have a whole whole nation behind him. And Shimei has brought a thousand Benjamites. David needs Benjamin. If if David has Shimei put to death, he's lost the tribe of Benjamin. So David swears, you know, you, you know, you're not going to be put to death. Now, this will come back up later in First Kings, but for for now, that's where it stands. Yeah, Tracy. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Then you'll have to wait till First Kings. Because <laughs> <laughs> i got to move along to finish this, this story to, this morning. Because we're not going to have a class next week, so <clears throat> the week after we're going to do 16 chapters of First Kings, so i I got to finish. Um, and then and Mephibosheth shows up and David understands that he was really wrong about Mephibosheth. The guy loves David, cares about him. And what does is, what is David end up doing about the property thing? No, 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 that's, no, no, no. Someone else. Split it. Split it, yeah. You'll divide it. Is that fair? It was his. He lost half of it because Ziba lied about him. And David believed it. It just—it's a sad picture. Just a sad picture. Now we have a noble picture with this old man Barzillai. He had taken care of the king and, and all these people. I mean, he was—he was wealthy and and he'd fed them and taken care of them all this time. And David wanted to reward him. Um, but the way David would reward him was how? Yeah, you can eat at my table. The same thing you've done for Mephibosheth. But that didn't—that doesn't mean much for a guy that's 80 years old. <laughs> So he finally has his son Kimham uh, go and eat at David's table, and David honors that. And, and, and um, it's, it's a it's a beautiful picture. It is. Um, <clears throat> but then, before the day's over, <clears throat> you get this fight between the people of Israel. Show up a little bit late. The people of Judah, David's own tribe, were first. The people of Israel come and say, "Hey, what's going on? You guys are stealing the king from us." You know, and then you know. <clears throat> Judah uh, answers harshly. And finally, uh, this guy named Sheba <clears throat> decides that we're not to put up with this. You know, you, you people of Judah, you can take your king and, and, and we'll have our own king. We're, we're off. <laughs> and, and this is the first of what's eventually going to be a split in the days of David's grandson Rehoboam where Israel splits off from Judah. This time it doesn't go very far because Joab chases after them. But uh, it, it will eventually end up... You, you, can, you can just see this jealousy between the tribes and it ends up splitting the, the nation. 
and they have to chase after him. David David promised Amos that he would be the the commander, so he tells Amos to get the troops and get going. But the troops don't want to follow Amos. So finally, he has to get Joab's brother to get the troops, and of course, Joab's brother gets Joab, and it's really jo- and David knew it would be. Of course, Joab takes the troops, and what does Joab do about Amasa? Makes a proposal. Yeah, he murders him in cold blood. Just murders him in cold blood. And this is why I was saying when when he murdered Abner that there might have been a little bit of the, the jealousy part involved in it. I mean, because. Abner was the commander of the Israel, of Israel's army, just like Amos is the commander of Israel's army, and in both cases he killed him. And David can't do anything about it e- this time either. We'll see in the next book he he will. Um, and at the end of chapter twenty, this now ends the second part of David's reign, and we again have, you know, now Job was over the whole army of Israel and Benaiah the son of. Etc. We have the list of the the cabinet members, so to speak, just like we had it the first time. But the sec the second part of David's reign was a much sadder one than the first one. Um, just the consequence of of sin. And then we have an appendix. the 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 rest of the chapters are not in any specific order. They're just taken kind of from different parts of the reign um, for for various reasons. Um, chapter 21 was the the, uh, the Gibeonites that there was a famine because of the uh, because Saul had been killing Gibeonites, and yet who had originally made a treaty with the Gibeonites? Joshua. Joshua, yeah, and Saul was was dishonoring that treaty. Then in chapter 22 we have a, a Psalm of David, which this Psalm actually appears as Psalm 18 in in the Book of Psalms. Um, and we don't know when in his life he he wrote this, although it might have been earlier on before he committed adultery with Bathsheba. the 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 main point of the of the psalm is that God is the one who gives us the victory, and and David goes through his his history and shows how often God had done that, and and God does this because He rewards people who are righteous. That's why I'm saying it might have, this might have been before he committed the adultery. And then in chapter 23, we have the last words of David. He has one last psalm, and it kind of summarizes his um, his life. Uh, and and he looks in verse five. He has made an everlasting covenant with me. And you remember the promise he he gave him that uh, uh, from of his seed someone would build that house. And of course, ultimately, that was looking to Jesus. Then it has a list of his mighty men in chapter 23, and this was really this was the heroic age of Israel. Um, in Solomon's reign, you didn't have heroes like this. It was his reign was a reign of peace. But in the time of David, these guys had plenty of opportunity to do their heroic deeds, and they did they did great things. and And it just goes through a list of some of the great things these people had done, and and and. We realize that when David was running away from Saul, you had all these people who were in debt or dis, disenchanted or whatever that came to follow him. And David whipped them into shape as a, a loyal army. And, and it was under his leadership that they were performing these great heroic deeds. It's really a testimony to, to David, um, what, what we find in that chapter. And then, and then the last chapter, chapter 24, tells about this census David took, apparently because of, of pride. 
uh, he obviously he, he understood it was a sin and was punished for it. But the, the main reason the story is told is because of the aftermath of it. When the angel's hand was stopped, it was just outside Jerusalem. He was going to come and, and strike pestilence all over Jerusalem and people would have died in Jerusalem. But because of David's prayer, he stopped. And at that spot is where God told him to offer a sacrifice to him. And it was on the threshing floor of Araunah. Um, <clears throat> who was actually a Jebusite, but I assume he was a friendly Jebusite because the unfriendly ones David had kicked out of the city. Um, <clears throat> this was just outside of the, of the city at the time where this, where this um, threshing floor of Arauna was. But da- and David bought the threshing floor, bought the oxen, and, and, and offered sacri- sacrifices um, on this spot. And do you know what this spot became? Later in the history, it's a good guess, but no. Where the temple was put, this this was where the temple was built. And um, the in Jewish tradition, this was also the spot where Abraham was going to sacrifice uh, his son Isaac. We, we know that God said, "Go go to the mountains of Moriah and sacrifice him where I tell you." And in in First Kings we read, or I think it's Chronicles actually, that he built the temple on Mount Moriah. So there is a, there's a connection in the Bible between the two, and and the Jews put it right. You know they say that in the right in the most holy place where the ark was put, that's where that was the rock where where he was sacrificed. Today, if you wanted to see that rock, you'd have to be a Muslim because it's <laughs> inside the dome of the rock, which is a Muslim mosque. Um, now, any last questions? Yeah, Tracy. I was wondering in 24 verse 1, you know, it says the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel and he moved David against them to go down with the people. How yeah. was he punishing David when he... Well, the, if, if I'm correct, now it doesn't say what the sin was, but if I'm correct that the sin was pride then it's very likely that that was a sin that belonged to the whole nation. It wasn't just David's pride and how many people he had. And I think he, he was really doing an army count. This is not just a people count. It was an army count. How many people can I get for my war? And I think there was pride on the part of the people as well as pride on the part of the king. Yeah. Now, I, I want to hand out... Um, Sean... Someone else hand out too. Everyone take one of these. Um, keep this chart beside your Bible as you read First Kings, because you're going to find out very quickly as you, not this next week, but the week after. And we're not having a class next Sunday, of course, because it's our meeting. Um, you're going to find names. This guy was the king of Judah. This guy was the king of Israel. Well. Pull out your chart when that happens. Look, on the left is the list of Judah, and on the right, the list of the kings of Israel. And you can help keep these guys straight. Because sometimes they have the same names in the north and in the south, of the Israel or Judah. And it gets very confusing. This chart will help you to keep them separated, and I think it will help make more sense as you read along. Because you're going to find kings coming at you fast and furious. I mean, when when we're reading 7... Seven chapters or more a week, you cover a lot of a lot of kings, and it's going to get confusing. And this chart will help 
keep keep it everyone keep it straight in their minds well thank you all for your participation